Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Hi, Payne and Pendergast with you. Interesting question from our friend, Coach Middlescreen. Loyal listener to the show. He, he tweeted this to me yesterday. He said, where does the Brandon Staley to Jim Harbaugh upgrade rank on the, calls it the Lovey D'Amico coach upgrade scale? <laughs> I see that's any scale you name it after the extreme ends of the two things. And the Lovey D'Amico upgrade was a pretty massive one this year, I would say. Going from 313 and 1 to 10 and 7. And Sorry that the completely recalibrating the culture in the building process. Sorry, the coach that got you, C.J. Stroud, wasn't good enough for you, Sean. You and your precious Tom middle screen. No, yeah. You know, it's, uh, sorry, it's a tough business. Lovey, Lovey will be okay. I do think, I, honestly, I feel like Cully, it, it, if it were a direct transition from Cully to... <clears throat> to D'Amico, or to D'Amico, I feel like that would be more il- illustrative of it. I mean, yeah. Lovey... Lovey was uh, like look, both Kali and Lovey got thrown into weird circumstances, except that uh, like Lovey, Lovey, it was even weirder because it was a last minute deal yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> to try to veer away from a tragedy. And uh, like, so I, I give Lovey a huge pass in that. I don't, I think he's a better coach than the record showed last year. Um, I don't think he was, he wouldn't have been my chosen choice. And, you know, I think that, that's reflected in you know the job offers he didn't get this year. Fair. Let's call it the yeah. Cully D'Amico upgrade scale. Yeah. Since yeah, Lovey, sorry, I'm arguing about something that's not since Lovey is about. just yeah. since Lovey is just uh, he he I feel like Lovey is just kind of just sort of swept up in the process here. So either yeah, way, yeah. either way, massive yeah. upgrade from D'Amico to what yeah. was going on the last couple of years. Where is yeah. Staley to Harbaugh in your mind as far as an upgrade goes? Staley to Harbaugh compared to Cully to to D'Amico, mm-hmm. I would say, boy. I think it's even it's an even bigger upgrade because there was something missing. the The problem with Staley was the problem with Staley was there was just absolutely nothing about him that felt, sounded, played, or anything like an actual NFL head coach. Staley actually, is a yeah. less goofy version of David Cully. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, he backs he he just because he cites analytics. Uh, he got uh, he, I, he took a he took a job where he was defensive coordinator of a defense that had four future Hall of Famers on it, um, and somehow got cited with being brilliant for playing cover two. Uh, like, oh my God! Did you see what he does? He's both his safeties and he puts them in the back because he's got Hall of Famers all over the place. Yeah. And he can do it. Yeah. So and then he comes in and he's uh, yeah. So that was. It was a travesty, the amount of love that was showed to Brandon Staley just because he would pray to the analytics gods. You know what? There's a lot of people. You know who looks at it? You know who uses a lot of analytics? John Harbaugh. And he also acts like a football coach. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a big one. David Culley acted like more of a football coach than, than Brandon Staley. He did Damn at it. times. Yeah. Like, no, nerd. Staley. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's potentially just as big. Because let's face it, like Jim Harbaugh, 
has a body of work that already shows he's a damn good NFL coach. Yeah. Like, and by the way, of, I wasn't mistaking the John in the gym there. The, the right. Ravens are the so when I said John Harbaugh, the Ravens are very very analytical for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, the other hires this cycle, like okay, have have these teams upgraded? Um, the one that the the one that matters the most to the Texans. I mean, until Bobby Slowick goes somewhere, if he goes anywhere, Tennessee. Are we sure that Tennessee has even upgraded their head coach from Mike Vrabel to Brian Callahan? He's a Brian Callahan's had a lot of instances where it's like, okay, uh, what what are you actually doing? Like, oh, great, Matt Stafford had two four thousand yard seasons under Brian Callahan. All right, like how many? What's what that mean? Like eighteen that he's had in his career. Um, I, the Bengals. All right, hey, great, Joe Burrow's been good, but you're not the play caller, right? Mm-hmm. What, what the hell's going on? I don't know. No, I think they're. Uh, they're taking a flyer on somebody that they think can help uh, help Will Levis, but it's no slam dunk guarantee. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, Vrabel might wind I hope, up. I in hope to learn jobs. to hate him eventually. Who, Brian Callahan? Yeah, <laughs> I thought you might have meant Will Levis. I'm like, aren't we already there? <laughs> oh, he went. Oh, he went to De La Salle. Brian Callahan did. Did he? The one yeah. is that the one in California? The high school. That's the the really really good high school. Like the in football California. factory, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Taylor went there. Um. I don't know why I'm throwing that in, but he did. That's a, that's the one name I know that, that went to De La Salle. Um, let's see. Hey, Sean, what are the teams that are for sure playing overseas next year that we play? Now, I'm going to tell you this, Texter. I'm going to tell you this and know that I'm acknowledging that they still could play a game in South America. Because if I tell you that the Jags and the Vikings are both road opponents for the Texans this year and thus they could play in London... Seth will immediately jump in and say that I'm ruining his Brazil dreams by pointing yeah. that out. Yeah. yeah, they're they're playing a game in Brazil. <laughs> Maybe not in Rio. Yeah, Sao Paulo. Whatever. Sao Paulo, I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Sean and I, I've already gotten uh, a Duolingo that I, I'll, I'll get the um, I'll get a group account, Sean, so okay. you can be on my Duolingo. Oh, account. good, we'll good, good. Like a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll get like a a business plan or something. What do we have to learn? Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah. Okay. Which I feel like once we learn Portuguese and become fluent in it, I think it's a it's close enough of a cousin to Spanish that we can probably learn Spanish pretty easily. Yeah, too. we're like halfway there. Yeah, totally. A lot of times people will be like, "Why would I learn Portuguese? Brazil's a big damn country." Yeah, you know. Uh, sure, you're, it's basically useless to you here, whereas Spanish would be very useful to you. But, <laughs> it would, uh, but still, yeah, it would. But if we're gonna go cover, if we're gonna become, if you and I are gonna become the Mike and Mike of Brazil, Sean, it first starts with actually it being able to speak the language of the Portuguese. people in Brazil. It's a great okay? call, Seth. It's a great call. That's a we good... could do that. We could own Brazil. Yeah. Well, at least the football side of things. I don't want to piss anybody off. Yeah, Greeny. Um, Casario made Lovey use Pep Hamilton as his offensive coordinator. How would Stroud have done with Pep? I don't even want to think about that. Why are you texting that person? Huh? Why, why five or three, eight, three, eight, whatever you are here. Why are you? Te- I don't want to think about how Stroud would have done with Pep. How do you think Stroud would have done with Pep? Uh, how would Stroud have done with Pep Hamilton? Man, my, my favorite thing about Pep Hamilton was his ability to watch a play fail and then run the exact same play into the same front <laughs> like again and again. I, I uh, not that not that hot, not that hot. Persistence, yeah, yeah. Persistence. Um, as far as uh, but just the Brian Callahan thing. I, yeah. I like. I did. I, this is the thing about Brian Callahan, the new coach of the Titans. He does presumably he's going to run like a, a, a 
Kubiak-style offense the way they did in Cincinnati. But he wasn't the play caller there. You don't have to be a great play caller to be a good head coach. His his dad is Bill Callahan. He's a long, long time, very respected offensive line coach yeah. in the NFL. He's currently the Browns head coach or Browns offensive line coach. So I don't know if he if he brings him with him. I don't know if the Browns say like, oh, no, yeah. you can't go interview with your son. Maybe he brings his dad in for an interview just to not give him the job <laughs> as an ultimate Freudian power play there. <laughs> Imagine, and then like two, he hires him, and then he's got to fire him in like two years because the line sucks. He says, he, like, yeah, yeah, you've got a job. You can be my nanny. How's that sound, Grandpa? Can't get get Scar- your ass out of here. <laughs> Callahan can't, can't get Skaronsky's short little T-Rex arms to, to block anybody. Yeah. I like He's that. yelling at his dad because Skaronsky's a bust. Yes. Yes. Mm. I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. They do need – now, that actually – if the Titans were to get – you know, like an offensive line coach can only do so much – um, but if they were to get better offensive line played out of uh, a Bill Callahan coached offensive line, that is that's something to monitor. Like I don't, there's a chance that Will Levis ends up being like a veiny Matt Schaub. Okay, so <laughs> like it takes this system veiny. and does the absolute most with it. Yeah. Second round pick that uh, you know does good in the in the Kubiak Shanahan system. Do you um do you get totally different topic here? Do you get a lot of alerts? Are you signed up for alerts from like different news outlets and pop culture outlets and things like that? Do you get, I get emails. I get a lot of emails during the day from like with like different news alerts or pop culture. The only, the only alerts I'm signed up for are, cause I don't, I don't remember doing it, but they seem to be relevant when they show up. Um, are, there's a bleacher report app for the just the Texans. Okay. So I get Texans uh, alerts in Sports Radio 610. Alerts. I must get at least five emails a day from People Magazine, which I oh, like because really? it keeps yeah. me plugged into that corner of the universe. But yeah. they come in two forms. One is just a newsletter that lists like 10 links to articles on people.com. And then you get the occasional one where it's just one story and it says People News Alert. And I'm like, oh, this must be super important. I, I better click on this. I get a people news alert yesterday, and the headlines, the only headline in the whole thing, Crystal Hefner says Playboy's Hugh Hefner was bad at sex. Quote, I was relieved when it stopped, end quote. That oh. was a people news alert yesterday. Like the People magazine felt compelled to tell me that Hugh Hefner's widow, 60 years his junior. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Was okay, bad yeah. at sex. Yeah, no she kidding. didn't enjoy um, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, no, and I, I kind of skimmed through the article and I just assumed that she was a lot younger. I realized I had made that assumption. Yeah. Um, I, but I just, like, I, I, I skimmed through it and I get to the final paragraph and I'm like, I, it, it reads almost like, I'm, am I supposed to feel sympathy for her that the sex was bad? Like, you married a, you knew what you, you married a really, into. really rich guy. Yeah. Uh, who, who was 80 plus years old and you're complaining or, Talking about how the sex was mechanical. Uh, okay, yeah. all right. That, I don't. I wish you were. I wish you hadn't written this book that ever made an excerpt across my eyes. Yeah, she's I, got a I, memoir I, out. That's where this is coming from. She's got a memoir out where she describes the sex with a dude who's eighty-one. Like, yeah, it's robotic. He's eighty. You should be happy that any parts of the robot work at age at age eighty-one. I, I think she probably was uh, not happy that they worked. Yeah, I yeah, think maybe. she probably maybe, she yeah. was hoping that maybe she had married this gentle old guy that yeah. didn't want it. Well, no, she knew what she was. She she was a Playboy bunny, and yeah. like she was into the whole group. Like every night they would go up, and there'd be like kind of a group scene going on. <laughs> yes. Um, 
But she said that it basically, it's not the way she describes it. It is interesting. I don't feel bad for her because she knew what she was doing. Yeah. But um, it is interesting when she describes the way it all went out. It almost sounds like she made it sound like it was almost like, um, like, like brushing your teeth before like bed. Like a process. Yeah, like, yeah. okay, we're going to have a few people up here. We're going to do this thing, and then we're done. Yeah. This, quote, this was a well-oiled, well-practiced sequence of events. She wrote this in her memoir. Oh, so is oil. Okay. One, that, one that went the exact same way <laughs> niche. every time. Picking yeah. some girls from the party and bringing them up, changing into the uniform for the job, silk pajamas, the dimming of the lights, the music, the porn, passing the pot, and then the sex. End quote. Are you shocked that there was porn? Are you like, wait a second? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm assuming she this means sounded like, elegant until you brought that well, into no, it. No, no, no. But I'm like, did you really need to pop something up on the TV yeah. in there? <laughs> like you got, you got so six women like in there. To, you're yeah. trying to flood as much basically dopamine into the synapses as possible. Uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. like to be clear, like, uh, just to clarify the, the change in my voice inflection there. Yeah. I was not appalled. <laughs> Just mildly surprised. That's all. That that was a do you think requirement. It was all, do, you, do you think he insisted that it only be Playboy soft? Uh, soft like there was no, Yeah. So that's soft. that's probably why she was disappointed. Leave a little something like, to the imagination. Trying to get into this thing, and we're kind of like I'm looking at I'm looking yeah. at an airbrushed image of somebody. Yeah. yeah he's, I mean, she's basically saying like, dude's just staring at the ceiling the whole time he's doing it. <laughs> One of our listeners says it's like picking up a rotary phone and expecting it to FaceTime. Bingo! Bingo! He's a rotary dial phone. <laughs> That's really good. That is awesome. Who is that guy? That is I'm a little awesome. jealous that he came up with Zero that. 0154 guy. Good job. <laughs> uh, you know what? I read. I read a woman who had gone over to be like uh, in a sheik's harem once. She was a model that had gotten paid like an outrageous sum of money to go over and be like one of his stable of women yeah, that he yeah. kept around at any given time. Yeah. She described it that like it was very like, yeah, this guy, it was like such a part of his life that it was just kind of like, like you might down an espresso on your way out the door. Like that kind of like, yeah, like the guys, the guys, it's just around all the time. And he's gonna do whatever he feels like, and that was it. He's not interested in like trying to prove that he's the world's greatest lover, right? Is, right, uh, right. Is the whole thing. It's basically yeah. like a, it's like a yoga for him or a workout. Like we're just getting through this here, and it's but the same like, every yeah, time. If you're if you're Hugh Hefner and you wear that smoking jacket and everything, it feels like you should be trying to put a little bit more effort into being kind of like the the consummate ladies' man, you know? Which uh, it doesn't sound like he was. No, this feels a little bit. I was going to say slanderous, but if it's true, it's not slander. But I, I feel, you know what? I feel bad. I mean, he's like the face of the sexual revolution and he's not really around to defend himself right now. You know what I mean? Like we just have to take her word for it. Like he's not here. Yeah. You know, and I don't know that there's a bunch of people out there corroborating her account. And again, her account is with a man who is in his early eighties. In his early eighties. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. what needs to get pointed out here. But this is what what People Magazine constitutes as important. You're right. You got to step back and remember, wait a second. She's complaining about the level of attentiveness right. uh, and uh, and variety from his 80 her 80 plus year old right husband. right that the the cardio is, okay. on this 400 pound man is deficient let's let's take it back even a step further and remember that not only is she saying that she's saying we were having group sex every evening 
but it wasn't the tender affair and passionate affair that I thought it might be. When I got married to him at age 21, when he was 81. I I thought we were having group sex every evening, but it never felt like he really cared for me. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm sorry you couldn't devote more personal attention to you. Okay. I I say all this to say that People Magazine, you get me. This is an important news alert. This is an important news alert to me. That was one of the pieces of advice Bob Allen gave me uh, as far as like staying, staying young. Yeah. Was, like, or at least like staying in touch with what's relevant and people are actually talking about. He said that, you know, like People Magazine and In Touch Magazine, he's like, ah, they're gossipy rags, but this is what people are talking about. Absolutely. And this is, these, are the, these are the references they make and everything. So you got to, I do have to, I got to start doing that because I don't know, I don't know a lot of celebrities anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of celebrities that are really, really famous. Otherwise, that I just I don't know who they are. Yeah, here's the problem. This is what I'll say about about getting the, the alerts from people. I, there's two TMZ and People are the two that I get a ton. I get like probably three or four emails a day from TMZ and People magazine. Yeah. The problem with People is that it's hit or miss. There will be one email where it's it is celebrity gossip stuff, you know, celebrity relationships, divorces, Hugh Hefner sucks at sex, things like that. And then there will be one or two emails where they're just like devastatingly depressing stories about actual real people. Like Like something about Gaza or something. Yeah, or like this person, a Minnesota couple left their kids out in the cold and they froze to death. You know, like stuff like that. Yeah, like really, really bad stuff. So you just got to know going in that you may get some things that depress you. I've got something that you'll feel better about, Sean. As, uh, these are the 10 most famous people on Instagram. These okay. are the most Instagram famous okay. people. Okay. I feel like we're not as out of touch as we thought we were. Uh, tell me just yes or no if you know who these people are. Okay. I'll start at 10 and work my way up to one very yep. quickly. Yep, yep. Do you know this Kendall Jenner lady? I'm aware, yep. She's uh, related yes. to the Kardashian family, yes. Do you know a woman by the name of Khloe Kardashian? She is also related to the Kardashian family, yes. Are you aware of a Beyonce? She's not a Kardashian, but she is a Houstonian. Yes. What about this apparently more famous lady, Kim Kardashian? Also related to the Kardashians. Yeah. Uh, here's one that I'm only vaguely. Here's one. I, I'm going to admit this. I know that Ariana Grande exists. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what she does. She's a singer. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't Love know if Ariana Grande was a singer or a uh, or a, an actor. She's a singer and one of the many women who've broken the heart of Peter Davidson. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Kylie Jenner. This doesn't God, even damn, count. these Kardashians. Kylie's got more than Kim. Yeah. Oh, poor Kim. Yeah. Uh, Selena Gomez, I know her. Lionel Messi. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Cristiano Ronaldo. There okay. we go. Yeah, okay. footballer. We know all 10 of them. So you, if you're a footballer, a Kardashian, or The Rock... You're super famous. I know nine of the top ten. Ariana Grande, all I know is that she licked a donut once okay. that wasn't hers. That's, right? that'll, that counts. You're That's 10 not for a 10. sexual metaphor. That was like she licked an actual donut. You're 10 for 10. It, yeah. I'm counting that. I'm counting that. All right. Um, I just, during the last break, clicked on a mock draft. I, this is two days in a row I've done this. And this particular one, I just want to say, like I, I think there is a very, very little chance to zero chance that the Texans are drafting this position or that they may even be able to upgrade this position this offseason. We'll tell you what it is next. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. It's hard to top the uh, excitement from last year at the draft ever for the Texans. You draft a quarterback at two and then you trade up to three and draft a future Pro Bowl. Actually, current Pro Bowl. Will Anderson's in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Defensive end. Um, Seth, as you know, I've started to click on mock drafts again, you know, now that the season's over for the Texans. I clicked on a CBS one just now, and I will say this, because I've heard a lot of people saying, you know what? It starts up front, and it starts with the offensive line. And I know you've said that, Seth, that the offensive line needs to improve. I will say this. If the Texans take an offensive lineman with their first-round pick, I think there's going to be great disappointment in the crowd next year at the draft party. This one has Amarius Mims. Offensive tackle, holy crap, 6'7", 340. (laughs) Maybe not. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe not. Um, (laughs) I think it's going to be, it's going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to, uh, there's going to be a tough pill to swallow if you choose to do a remake of the offensive line because of how much you've paid some of these guys. Yeah, I guess, well, especially because it's not like, it's not like anybody's going to be excited about Titus Howard going to left guard, if, you know. Which would be the move, I guess, right? right I mean, you're right, paying yeah. him $18 million a year. Yeah. I was, uh, one of our listeners heard us talking about this yesterday, and, and he sent me an economics lesson on sunk costs um, because I, you know, I was talking about you've already spent this money on the offensive line, and I guess I didn't explain it well enough. Yes, I do believe that you should never worry about sunk costs once you've paid something, but this is the, this is the difference. There's a difference between sunk costs in an investment world versus sunk costs in an operating business. So in an operating business, it's not just a matter of like, well, this stock's a dud. I better sell it. It's like, okay, I've got money committed to this thing. I've got a budget that I have to operate under, and I've got other areas of this business that I need to spend money on too. So the offensive line is what it is. Uh, like these are the guys you have. These are the guys. That, they're cogs in the machine. It's not a. It's a sunk cost, but it's also an ongoing business venture. It's not as simple as like, oh yeah, we just sell this and buy another stock or something. Like, no, there's dead money involved with it. There's there's everything else that goes along with it. So when I look at the amount of money invested in the offensive line, I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to spend. I can't spend more money in that one area because it's not like. It's not like it's an abysmal, atrocious offensive line in the spots where I've spent money. It's just that I've got other areas on the team that I still, I've got money allocated to. Well, and I think, too, it's not as though it's a sunk cost and it's a lost cause and they suck and we've got to trot something right. out that sucks. You, you hope that there's the opportunity to improve it, that they right. can play better. Yeah. Like Titus yeah. Howard has yet to play a snap at right tackle under this new contract. He, presumably, he's playing a position that he was paid to play under this contract extension. 
as, as you've mentioned many times, Seth, in echoing what D'Amico or Slowick or one of them, I think it was Slowick had said, that this is the first year Chris Strouser, the offensive line coach, has coached in this system. And that yeah. there's an acclimation period for the coaching as well. So to me, when I hear sunk cost, I feel like, well, it's a lost cause and we just got to flush it. And, you know, while it's it could have been a whole lot better this year, there's the feeling. I mean, there's a reason you invested in those three guys and you didn't really get a chance to see what it looks like. And I, I think the other variable, too, like I'll be curious. I don't know if we'll hear about it or not, because oftentimes we don't hear about these things unless the player puts it out there. But it feels like almost every player goes and gets some sort of procedure done during the offseason just to clean something up. Yeah. I will be curious if whatever was ailing Laramie Tunsil's knee this season mm-hmm. to where he missed every Wednesday practice and missed a couple games early in the season yeah. is something that's fixable, that he goes in and gets fixed and that he's fully healthy. Will we ever find out just how healthy Laramie Tunsil was this year? You know what I mean? The thing, yeah, the thing about the uh, Marius Mims from Georgia, um, that people are <laughs> – he's – like, he's 6'7", 340 – and uh, you, you think like, oh, big, or he must be fat or something. He's a really, really well put together six seven three forty. Oh, really, he would be. He'd okay. be yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's really. Uh, he's a he's a specimen, man. Um, like, and there's you know during draft season, usually at the beginning, I only watch highlights. I don't want to. I, I want to get excited about everybody, and then I want to tear them down as we get closer and closer <laughs> yeah. to the draft. And then after the draft, I only watch highlights again. Um, but Amarius Mims. Like has played at a very good program. Like he's like, like a lot of tall guys. I think he he does a certain amount of leaning and stuff that he can't get away with in the NFL. That's always the biggest the biggest question with offensive linemen. A lot of times is like, okay, they're doing things that they can't get away with against NFL defensive linemen. Are they going to learn how to not do those things when yeah. they get to the NFL? And I, I would say Kenyon Green's one of those guys that he got away with a lot of stuff when he was in college that he could get away with versus versus college kids. He got to the NFL and he kept trying to do those same things and and he got kind of victimized for it. Yeah, and he's also been injured though too. So that's just the biggest question. But I like there are a lot of offensive linemen out there that I don't like. No matter what the normal composition of the team is right now, I'd get excited about. A bunch of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So you got an overload at a position for a year if you think the kid can be really, really special moving forward, well, especially 6'7", well, 340. My God. I want to say the example was uh, Jonathan Ogden. When Jonathan Ogden got drafted to the Ravens, they yeah. already had. The Ravens are a team that does not care what they already have at the position. They draft, and this is why the Ravens are In so that way forever. good yeah. every year. Yeah, it's they do what every other team claims they do, but doesn't. They just take the best player available, other than the quarterback position. Um, so, like, they drafted Jonathan Ogden when they already had two good offensive tackles. They've done that at multiple other positions. And they just, when you do that over and over and over again, when you try not to galaxy brain everything, and you just say, look, this guy's a really good football player, and our team uh, needs really good football players. We'll figure it out later. It's kind of a Daryl Morey approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they've done. So I wouldn't, yeah, I... And this is why it makes me a bad draft talker sometimes. I, like, I genuinely usually just say, give me the best player available. I don't want to target certain positions. I want to take the best actual football player. Because I've, seen, I've just seen too many damn guys that you, you try to go for a certain position and you end up with these busts who can't even play football at all. Yeah. Because you just you overthink it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, six, seven, three, four. The next few players taken are a safety, a corner, Jared Verse, the edge rusher out of Florida State. Chop Robinson, edge rusher out of 
Arizona. I think free agency could impact some of this too. Like if Jonathan Grenard leaves, I got to imagine that getting one of these edge rushers that's at the yeah. back end of the first round might well, bump up for the Texans. Yeah, I think I don't know too. I think um, you know D'Amico is just just right there out in the open talking about how they need to commit resources to the defensive line mm-hmm. and uh, and you know you play you rotate defensive linemen. I, if economics were not a factor, there are a lot of coaches in the league that would rather just have like eight starting caliber defensive linemen. Yeah, just you know, rotate uh, them like all through. Two, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like some some teams are built from the back up, and some are built from the front back. And this is going to be one kind of like the Giants when they won their Super Bowls. I think you know we're we're built from the front back. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, litmus test for an online draft expert. To text is if they had the Texans taking an offensive lineman in the first three rounds. If they do unfollow them, I disagree with that. Like I, I do think that there's a chance, like that, if you're the Texans, whoever you're taking at 23 or wherever they end up picking in the first round, should be somebody who contributes this year and gets on the field and maybe even starts for you this year. But I think once you get to the second and third round, then you're just going best available. Like if if you feel like there's a guy who slipped to the third round who you had like a late first or early second round grade on, I don't care what position he plays. Yeah, I don't know because a lot of t- yeah, I, I mean strategies are different. Um, some teams when they get into like the third round start really looking more towards need and try to show. Nick Nick is very big on kind of like where the pockets of players are. Yeah. So like he like he's going to draft up to a certain area because he thinks like there's several players that he likes and one of them might fall to him. And frankly, I don't know with. I think with Kenyon Green, if I if this is a pure guess, but just because you and I have had maybe in Houston, you and I had more conversations about him about specific draft strategy than anybody other than John Harris and Mark Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they traded back from Kenyon Green, my guess is that they had a similar grade on Kenyon Green, Kyle Hamilton, and um, the Jordan, defensive Jordan line. Davis. Jordan Davis. Yep. And that he figured, like, okay, I've got a trade available where I can go back three spots and one of those guys will fall to me, then so be it. That's where that one stings because so far it looks like either of those other two guys would have been a much better choice than Kenyon oh, Green. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton's you know? a first-team All-Pro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's inc- – so like, so, like, in that instance with Nick, I don't think he – and again, this is pure speculation based on everything he told me. I think there's a chance that any one of those three guys, either a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, or a safety, would be the guy that he would take. Um, and it's just, it's like that's where you can't say that he specifically targeted a position. Yep. He, does, he doesn't, and I like, like, I like this way of thinking. And again, it probably makes for bad radio. Like, you have to accept, you have to have the humility to accept that all of these are just vague approximations and guesses. So to think that, like, oh, no, this is the 19th best player, and this is the 20th best player, and then this is the 21st best player. Like, any guy that's been in the business for any amount of time knows that that's the dumbest thing you could ever say. Yes, yes. So, like, Nick, I like the way he thinks about it, not executing the strategy. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother area. Yep. Um, NFL head coach gets asked, so what is it that you do? We'll grade his answer. Also, a fun fact about the AFC title game this weekend, a trend. It actually involves the Houston Texans. We'll have that for you as well. Stay there. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so we know Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles, is he's he's under some fire. He's got to get this thing right. They lost six out of seven down the stretch. They went out of the playoffs in embarrassing fashion to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had to get rid of both of his coordinators. After having two coordinators the previous year who got hired as head coaches, he fired Brian Johnson and the other guy, Desai. The dude, I just know him as the guy who got replaced by Matt Patricia. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I feel bad that I feel bad that the Desai guy got had to officially get fired at the end of the year. Like first year demoted, and you have to live with that while still working for the team for uh, several weeks, and then and then you get the added. Uh, oh, by the way, yeah, you're definitely fired. Yeah, yeah, that, that you're right. That's a that's a tough. It's like getting fired twice. Um, so. So Nick Sirianni keeps his job, but he had to meet with the media. He and Howie Roseman, the general manager of the Eagles, met with the media yesterday. And Sirianni, of course, did not call plays offensively. He's an offensive guy. Obviously didn't call the defensive formations. So he was asked by a media member, what is it that you do? Defensive coordinators could be in charge of the defense. What is your role going to be? The head coach of the football team. What does that entail? How, how does it change? Yeah, um... I guess what you know it'd be this very similar to what's going on right now. Um, you know, does that mean I'll sit more into defensive meetings at times? Maybe, right? Instead of always being in an offensive meeting, maybe I go to a defensive meeting here and there. Um, but my job is to be the head coach of the team, not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the be the head coach of the football team. And so that's building the culture. That's making sure the cultures, um, you know working you know with our our five core values are taking every day at a time like we're not coming up with new core values uh i mean we may shuffle of where you know where the things are that are important um and and working at high level and then that's where the, our connection with the players and then their connection with each other works well too okay i i thought it was a horrible answer and the main reason i thought it was a horrible answer is because the easy answer is just to keep it high level like i work on putting this team together with howie you know, I work hand-in-hand yeah. hand with the GM to put this team together. I make sure that we're hiring the best coaches to develop our yeah. team. Um, he was literally – he started in, so what is it that you do? And it was almost like he went to his calendar for that day and said, well, at yeah. 8.30, I, I, at 8.30, I sit down and I go through my memos. And then some days Here's- at 9.30 – <laughs> uh, like he's literally going through all the tactical stuff dude just keep it strategic man that's all you dude, gotta so do I told, I told you one thing i do enjoy is older men explaining their days and their their daily routines i yeah. do enjoy that like old retired men yeah. because they usually get pretty excited about it if they have a good one right. you know like they want to like tell you exactly which diner they go to and yeah. everything. um i don't want that out of my head football no. coach though yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly like, right. Usually, when I hear with older men, I'm kind of like, "Oh, that sounds delightful." Or like, I don't want my head coach to be having a delightful time, other than the, like if it's what delights him is kicking ass and taking names. That's what yeah. he was doing. He's like, eh, some days I'll go in the offensive meeting, and then maybe there's days I'll poke my head in the defensive meeting. And you know what? It is. I think that part of that is. 
part of your job as a head coach when you're not a coordinator is having answers to questions like that because it is all about setting a tone, yeah. setting expectations, all of those things. And the fact that the fact that A, he wasn't prepared for that question, and B, that he didn't have a really good answer for it, tells me that C, he's not he's not really the right guy for the job. Correct. Like Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson wasn't the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator. I'd be interested to know, like back in the day, if you asked Jimmy Johnson, for one, I think the reporter probably would have asked it in a little bit more of a respectful tone. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimmy Johnson would have given an answer something revolving around culture, motivation, uh, you know, oversight of the offensive and defensive coordinator, both to be the, the nice buzzword that people like to use, to be a servant leader, but also as somebody that can be a sounding board for those for those guys, and and frankly, I've got a lot of expertise. I'm Nick freaking Sirianni. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but I, I, it's probably somebody. I guess it's just like kind of a simple thing that you should always keep in mind. Whatever job you're doing is what is my job description? Yes. It's kind of like when you start. A lot of times, people give you the advice if you're gonna if you're gonna write a speech or anything at all. Be, like pick the title in advance. Be sure that you got the title and be sure you nail the intro and the hook because that's the actual like what is what is your main theme or thesis because it's really easy to get bogged down in descriptions of your daily schedule if you don't. They they he was the reporter was basically asking him for the 30 second elevator speech on what it is you do. Oh, nice yeah. to meet you. What do you do? I'm the head coach of the Eagles. Oh, okay. Well, what does that entail? What do you do? Yeah. And and he like if that was the answer you gave somebody in the elevator, I'd be like, "Okay, well you sound like a dolt. Um, but I, the I other thing, be, uh, the other thing you didn't mention, like it's an easy one to throw in there is like on game day, I make the big decisions, you know, like I, yeah, it comes yeah. time for a replay review or a decision on what to do at a crucial juncture in a game. The buck stops with me. That's what they wanted to hear. You know what I mean? Like the, you, yeah. you use a phrase like the buck stops with me. That'll get a lot of the torches and pitchforks kind of quelled down at the gate right there. Like, all right. Well, this guy's taking control of the situation right here. You know how I know? It's, uh, There's a buck, and it stops with him. <laughs> just told one me. thing I've learned. One thing I've learned from hear, ver, hearing various politicians talk about things about like uh, you know crafting the message is that people claim that they want details, uh, and they might really actually in their heart want details, but they don't actually want details. They right. like because they won't remember any of the details. They want broad sweeping promises they want broad sweeping philosophies all of that stuff and uh they're gen generally placated with all of that that's who us clowns will vote for <laughs> right, basically right. make me a promise tell me i'm pretty tell me i'm pretty tell me a lie my taxes lower and i'll vote for you sir someone says <laughs> he sounded like easterby did he sound like yeah, easterby to you yeah where he's kind of just hopping around from place to place hoping that something clicks yeah. And fire the word culture and core values out there a few times. My favorite yeah. part was when he's like, "We're not. We have our five core values. It's not like we're going to change our five core values. We may change." He made it sound like they might shuffle them around based on importance. At one point, you know, there may be certain years where fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals <laughs> be, is number two oh on the God. chart. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he was that kind of guy, where like all of a sudden that becomes his obsession is being Power sure, ranking. like where the 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 the, 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 the their power ranked appropriately. The order of the any, core like, They're having daily meetings for like an hour a day. You've got you've got uh, the whole staff in there trying to figure out 
exactly how you should order the court guys, order the court value. Guys, court value conference bet. room, ten minutes. All right. <laughs> Where do we put accountability this week? It was third last week, and I'm not getting the sense that guys are being super accountable. Oh I was my in God. a meeting once where we were crafting a mission statement, and there were so many people involved, and they were so intent on making it a democratic process that it, A, was like the longest, most painful meeting I've ever been involved in on any level, and B, ended with a... 700 word single sentence mission statement that I I had no clue what it meant. <laughs> was I there? <laughs> no, 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 okay. no. This is long. This <laughs> okay. is long ago. Okay. Uh but it was it was it was it was like that. Yeah. And, uh, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kids, if you're going to come up with a mission statement, keep it something that's easy to adhere to. You know, the more words, the harder it is to attack that mission. Um yeah. So kill, fuck, kill, kill. That's an that's easy one. Yeah, that's yeah. an easy one. Um, that was a <laughs> how about this? A, have you ever heard the phrase "hurt people, hurt people"? No, it's like that. People who have been hurt tend to hurt other. Oh, people. Oh, hurt people. Okay, yeah, hurt yeah. Hurt yeah. people, hurt people. Yeah. Um, there was a scene in Arrested Development where the therapist's uh, son-in-law is telling his mother-in-law, "You know, hurt people, hurt people," mm. and she said, "Yes." Hurt people, hurt people. Like, oh, as if you know, there's an order. Just, <laughs> like doubly, just yeah. Go, go hurt and hurt people. people. Yeah. Hurt people. Hurt people. I like that. <laughs> um, how about this for a little uh, coincidence? Whoever beats Josh Allen in the playoffs always loses their next playoff game. It's never failed. It's happened four times. Josh Allen's been knocked out of the playoffs four times. The very first one was the Houston Texans. Back in uh, the 2019 season, they knocked out Josh Allen. The next week, they okay. go to Kansas City and blow a 24-point lead. Okay. The following season, the Chiefs beat the Bills in that legendary um, AFC Championship game. Yeah. They go and lose to the to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl the next week or the next game. Okay. Uh, yeah. The next season, the Chiefs beat the Bills again in the divisional round, but the Bengals beat the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. And then last yep. year, last year the um, the Bills lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, who then went and lost to the Chiefs in the AFC title game. So if you beat Josh I Allen, the Bills have lost to the Chiefs three times in the playoffs. They have in different. Uh, the Bills have lost to the Chiefs three times in the playoffs. Yeah, they. Didn't the Chiefs never won the Super Bowl once. Ah, uh, the Bills have no. The uh, let's see. Well, they now have lost to the Chiefs three times. This is the third oh, time. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah this uh, is yeah, the third yeah. time. So the point that is, the sense. Chiefs are going to go lose next that's week. A, it's not one of my duties as head coach to, to understand. Keep track like of that. that. Yeah, Sean, you can. You had me confused. Yeah, that's why I have you. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. I was, uh, They're zero and four. The teams that beat Josh Allen are zero and four the following week in the postseason. Is that a coincidence so, or is that a uh, is is that? I think that's probably just I'd say small sample size on okay. that one. I'm, There's a fifty percent like in any given whatever they did a fifty percent chance that they'd be okay. two and two. So like oh no they're zero and four instead of two okay. and two. Thanks for yeah. helping me talk myself into my big bet that I made last night. I, I was feeling super <laughs> smart for a second there. Um, I'm in on the Ravens now, man. I'm in on the Ravens. I'm in on the Ravens. I think the Ravens honestly for two reasons. One is just that I've, I've seen them up close and personal. I watched. I went back and I watched that Bills game a couple times, the Chiefs-Bills game. Yep. And it's just that the weaknesses 
that the Bills have, the Ravens do not have. Most specifically, the linebackers. The Chiefs, the Chiefs attacked, attacked, attacked the Bills linebackers. The linebacker, the Bills had no choice but to blitz at a certain point, and then the Chiefs are very. Pat Mahomes still very much capable of. of taking care of you versus the blitz. That was one of my favorite moments of the game, actually, was when um, Tony Romo said, well, you know, these Bills linebackers, if you don't have linebackers who can cover, you got to blitz. And then two plays later, you see, that's why you can't blitz Pat Mahomes. <laughs> I got to go find that today. He's going to tear you apart. I need to go find <laughs> right, that today Tony. so bad. Uh, <laughs> I need that. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling all of a sudden showed up, too. That was a that's a big X factor, I suppose. Is there deep? He's threat? been kind of he's been kind of skittish all year long, and then he really showed up big time. In that yeah, game. yeah, yeah. There, it's this is uh, Pat Mahomes is kind of dragging this group of weapons to the Super Bowl or trying to. I mean, Rasheed Rice is a huge part of what they do too. The rookie John Lopez is here. John Hello. Lopez, not a rookie. Not a rookie. Not a rookie at all. Not a rookie. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's uh, Thursday. You can see the weekend from here. Yeah. And, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Um, are we on? Uh, how how far into Slowick watch are we now? Like he's interviewing with Atlanta today. Like what what are your what are your expectations for resolution on this? Uh, I, I've been uh, I've been thinking he's he's going to take a job all along. Uh, and these second interviews, you know, well, Atlanta's interviewing a lot of guys for a second time. What? How many guys have they interviewed? Inter- they've got like fourteen guys they've interviewed. Yeah. So I like I don't take this interview with Slowick to mean that he's got pole position to get the job. I'm just wondering, like, yeah, I, there's four jobs left. Atlanta, he's in for. Washington, he's interviewed for. Seattle, he's interviewing for. I guess the – and Carolina asked permission to interview him, and I don't know if he's done a second with them yet or not. So yeah, no, I don't either. He's in on all these. Um, Harbaugh getting the Chargers job. Why, takes- are you starting to climb toward the maybe he's just coming back? Side of things. I, well, I don't know if he's going to get offered a job. I guess that's my yeah. big thing. Is people? Yeah. It, it feels like people have been operating under the assumption he's definitely getting offered a job, and there's still like a lot of big names out there. Sure, James, you know? James Palmer um, publicly tweeted that he that Atlanta was very impressed with Bobby Slowick. Um, I know that uh, I, I, I feel like there's good reason to believe that that's true. Mm-hmm. Except the problem is that Atlanta is also interviewing like 400 other people. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the thing I worry about with losing it, Bobby Slowick is that, you know, the, the being qualified for the job is only part of it. The other part is just the interview, which a lot of times people way overvalue the interview. I think Slowick is going to blow owners yes. away yes. with his interview because he can speak kind of at a higher level. He's got an analytical background. I think every one of these owners wants somebody who can marry the analytics with the old school football side of things. And I like I could see Arthur Blank being very intrigued by just like Bobby Sloak's kind of ability to talk philosophically about football. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Side. And also like where is their big their big waste in Atlanta? Skill guys like up the kazoo. And that's yeah. where he would thrive. I wonder what they do yeah. at quarterback if Slowick became the coach. I mean, he ain't coming in there to salvage Desmond Ritter. I don't think so. Yeah. But he's got all the other weapons, you know? Yeah, like I wonder if I, if Bobby Slowick's the coach there, all of a sudden does Kirk Cousins look at going to Atlanta? Like Free that agent. might make sense. Yeah. I mean, he's run, you know, yeah. that that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or do they trade for Justin Fields? That'd be a different type of quarterback for Slowick. But he's from, <laughs> he's from Georgia. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. Which, uh, you know, part of this, too, I think sometimes we look at it as um, – not Sometimes we look at it as, okay, what's the best situation? And we look at all the personnel and draft picks and everything. But just like, what about the actual personality of the owner himself? 
Like, I feel like Dave Tepper would freak me out. I feel like I, I feel like I would dislike Dave Tepper within 30 minutes of talking to or him. Or 30 seconds. So like, yeah, I don't, Arthur Blank, I don't know. I feel like I would either really like him or he might creep me out like a little him. bit. I think too. I'd like him. I think I'd like him. I think he's thought of as a good owner, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 